is the Enter Sad Men Podcast. Every rock and metal album you should own. Reviewed, rated, and ranked. Well, welcome to another edition of Enter Sad Men, a special edition. If you've been looking through Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever it is you get us from and you're wondering, where did the episode number go? Why is there no episode number on this? Well, the reason there's no episode number on this is this is our first listener uh, cho- listener choice show so we will be re- reviewing three albums by a listener to the podcast and uh, they got in touch via facebook and you can do the same if you've got albums that you want us to review uh and put into the hall of fame which is exactly what tony did and we'll get to tony in a minute but first of all uh, welcome into the chairs uh, around me steve and richard hello boys Are you um in enjoyed tony's choices have we yep yeah very good yeah good selection um yeah uh, and obviously we'll talk about it in a bit one that i didn't know at all steve that's a fascinating selection yeah no absolutely fascinating and um it's the sort of selection that if we weren't at the other end of the world from this man we'd sit down and have a right good chin wag over a beer or two wouldn't we because there's much to be talked about and yeah. um, it seems almost kind of wrong doing it from a distance, but you know, Tony will understand, I'm sure, as we as we get into reviewing this stuff because it's um, hats off to him. It's brilliant. It is, it's lovely to get someone involved with what we're doing, and um, it's been a it's been a pleasure, you know, listening to these three albums. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, well, if you if you're new to the podcast, then just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, the idea is we review three albums. Uh, each episode must be, well, we say 1970 to 1995, but actually we go a year or two either side uh, to pick up the sort of the important stragglers the led zeppelins of this world and the deep purples and metallica's load which is where the other end of the bookend lives um so yeah if you if you knew that's what we do we rank every track individually so we listen to these three albums forensically over the course of a week maybe two um depending on you know whether we're around to record each week so sometimes we live with these albums for a couple of weeks uh listen to them forensically we discuss them sort of track by track um, side by side maybe but the tracks themselves get an individual score we add those up divide them by the number of people that are involved which is three and that gives us an overall album score and that's what each album takes into the hall of fame and at the top of the Hall of Fame at the moment is uh, Back in Black by ACDC, arguably an Australian band, which is where Tony comes from. Tony Squire. Uh, well, hello to you. I'm sure you're listening. Tony lives in Brisbane, Queensland. Uh, got in touch with say via Facebook and asked us to review three albums. But uh, a little bit about him and his taste. He says that his desert... I asked him what his Desert Island disc was. And... <sighs> I'm, he can't have listened to episode nine of the podcast because he came back and said tool with fear inoculum. But he says that's because it's got everything on it from mellow to groove to crushing riffs. His Desert Island track, Steve, Panama, Van Halen. Toast. Yeah, I was hoping for Silent Night. I was hoping for Silent Night, but I'll take Panama. That's that's fine. That's fine. I, I, I don't think any worse of a man for that. Trust me. <laughs> um, 
he says that if he had to listen to only one band, it would be Led Zeppelin. So that's a big box checked there because they're the greatest band of all time. Well, we shall see about that, Tony Squire in Brisbane, Australia. Um, we shall see about that because at the end of this, assuming that we aren't all incontinent and living in care homes, we will be adding up all the scores of all the albums and working out exactly which band has come up with the best of the lot. But I don't think, I don't think you're going to be far off with Zeppelin, probably. I also asked him, lads, I asked him uh, the question that we answered for the podcast and indeed answered on an episode, uh, episode uh, 14, I think. Um, I asked him whether it was Metallica, Maiden or Motley. Do you know what he said? He said Judas Priest. Can't trust these bloody <laughs> Fucking hell, Tony. Fucking it's a simple typical, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All you had to do. <laughs> <laughs> One job. Um, but he did then come back and say, well, he'd have to say Metallica because he loves everything. And crucially, this is the important bit, he loves everything except St. Anger and Death Magnetic. So that's okay Attaboy. as well. Attaboy. And he also says yeah. that, that that said, when you lot are reviewing Master of Puppets, that's some top 10 shit right there. I would do the accent, but I'll just insult him. Um, and, well, we have reviewed Master of Puppets, Tony, and it's coming up reasonably soon so you'll find out exactly where that album goes uh when we get there um uh, and this this i mean on a slightly serious note um he added a bit at the end of the kind of conversation i had with him on facebook uh, and said because i asked him what his favorite live gig was and he said um it won't be from the magic era which obviously is the 1970 to 1995 window that we deal with um because australia didn't get many of those acts live and if you don't live in a capital city you're screwed for live music well i kind of understand that because you know it's fucking continents between cities um in australia um but he chose the american band clutch live at the zoo in fortitude valley brisbane in 2010 i have to say i've never heard any clutch steve they sound like a band you might be familiar with something about that isn't there yeah he should try living in he should try living in the new forest we don't get any fucking decent bands <laughs> down here either but um <laughs> clutch yeah no no I, oh, that's that's something to, well you know I'm, I'm going for something new so um give that a listen in in all transparency and and yeah and, and all honesty, the three albums that he came up with were Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction with Tattoo Beat Messiah. He also came up with a band. This is the band that we've never heard, none of us had heard before until the last week, which is The Angels Beyond Salvation. And he also came up with Bang Tango's Psycho Cafe. Uh, but we'd already done that. In fact, Tony, that will be the next episode out of the box so uh hopefully you'll be able to hear what we think of that one in the next week or two so i asked him to choose another and he chose the cult and sonic temple which i think is going to be fascinating because i've always thought that was my favorite cult album and i know you two are very firmly in the love camp aren't you <laughs> we're gonna find out we're gonna find out where uh where that sits in comparison to sonic temple so as we do when somebody else chooses the albums for us, we each of us sponsors one of them. So I've sponsored Zodiac Mind Warp. Steve, you have sponsored... The Cult. Sonic Temple. Pleased with that. Leaves, very pleased. Very pleased. Which leaves you, Richard, with? Yeah, with uh, Beyond Salvation Angels. Um, uh, and a fascinating, fascinating band. Um, yeah, amazing history. So we'll, we'll come to that uh, in a little while. Okay, well... Uh, if you've not heard Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction or the Angels or the Cult's Sonic Temple, 
here's a little taster of what we've been listening to over the last week to 10 days. Okay, well, I uh, hope you enjoyed that little snippet, uh, and we will do this episode as we do every other in reviewing the albums in chronological order. And that means Mark will be first to kick off with Zodiac Mindwarp, The Love Reaction, and Tattooed Beat Messiah. Mark. Opening album sleeve notes. So, uh, cards on the table. I bought this album when it came out. Uh, I either bought it or I was given it. Can't remember which. And I listened to Prime Mover because that was the single. And I probably listened to the whole album through another once. And then I thought, well, I don't need to hear that again. Um, so I put it away uh, until about 10 days ago. And I always, I, I kind of put Zodiac Mind Warp into the sort of the, almost the Rob Zombie kind of Wild Hearts sort of almost novelty band, you know, uh, Mama's boys or the mac lads beer and sex and chips and gravy and that sort of stuff it was just it felt a bit well spinal tap it's, it just felt to me back in the day a bit like a a novelty record so i i and i just lost interest in it i don't even know why i lost interest in it i, I think i probably felt it sounded all the same but the joy of this podcast of course is that you have to listen to these albums or we have to listen to these albums quite intensively so i've had several spins well a good many spins of tattoo beat messiah and has my attitude or opinion of it changed yes i think it has i think it has changed i think um i, I still struggle to fall in love with it i suppose but actually i can see it for what it is which is actually a bit of good fun i was talking to you richard wasn't i uh, the other day and, and I think you <laughs> you've got a challenge to lay down for me and Steve about how we view this in comparison to some other bands that we might have spoken about on on the podcast but and I'm sure we'll get to that but let's do a bit of um, nuts and bolts on this particular album Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction were formed in London um, and 
this album is one of, well, it's one of six that they've released, but really it's just one of three um, because they didn't really do anything after this. This is the debut. It came out after an EP and they, I'm not sure what happened to them, but it kind of, that's it. It kind of, the story kind of ends here, guys. We, we At some point we may get to the next one, Hoodlum Thunder, which came out three years later, but it came out with no fanfare and, yeah, it did nothing. So this is the kind of this is the the one shot deal that Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction had uh, in terms of their commercial success. They recorded it in late 1987. Uh, I have absolutely no idea which studio it was in, but it, it was released on February the 16th, 1988, on Vertigo. It runs to around 41:15. Produced by well, Bill Drummond and David Balfour or Balfe, I, can't, I have no idea how it's pronounced. So um, if you want, if David, if you are listening and I've mispronounced it, I do apologise, sir. Um, but Bill Drummond was a member of the KLF, who recorded Justified and Ancient and Last Train to Moo Moo and uh, some other really good stuff, actually. I like the KLF. Um, and David Balfe was the keyboard player in The Teardrop Explodes. Um, so no great links, either at that point or, in fact, afterwards, with working with a rock band. And... I've not really been able to find out how those two got involved in it, but I can only assume that at the time, Zodiac Mind Warp, uh, whose real name, uh, just so you know, is Mark Manning, was a graphic designer working uh, within the music press, I think. And I can only assume that their paths had crossed, maybe. they Maybe they knew each other. I don't know. So these two guys come in and they produce it. And I think they've done a reasonably good job. Professor Napfine will tell us what he thinks of the production. I, I, I couldn't hear an awful lot wrong with it. The novelty record sensibility about it really, I think, comes from the fact that they all have, all of this band have alter egos, which kind of... I, <laughs> Can't find quite puerile, but I'm probably just not getting into the spirit of it. Um, so they the lineup is Zodiac Mind Warp, a, aka Mark Manning on vocals, Cobalt Stargazer, who has the less the less rock and roll name of Jeff Bird uh, on guitars, but um, and then also on guitars, but whose real name I don't know is Flash Bastard, and then we've got on bass Trash De Garbage, and then Stephen Landrum on drums. Uh, also known as Slam Thunderhide. It's 11 tracks long, six on side one, five on side two. Well, it's actually more than that because there's they're all sort of little kind of institutions and, 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 and spoken word bits and pieces that are terribly, terribly short. So I've just kind of wrapped it all up into 11 tracks. Track one is Wolf Child's Speech, uh, followed by the single prime mover then skull skull spark joker backseat education then hey baby and bad girl city bad girl city being the actual song untamed stare tattooed beat messiah turn it over you get uh, spoken into upside down then let's break the law spasm gang holy gasoline planet girl kid stuff and then that goes out with messianic reprise
it's fine. I think it's a good album. Will I play it end to end again? Probably not, if I'm being absolutely honest. But that isn't because it isn't good fun, because it is. And I, I kind of, I box it in the same kind of way that I do Spinal Tap. If I want to have a laugh and want something to put a smile on my face, I would play some of this because it, it, the lyrics are just brilliant, completely ridiculous, utterly, utterly inappropriate in today's age. But, you know, that's the case with a lot of this stuff. Um, but they do put a smile on your face. Uh, but just like Spinal Tap, I would, I love that. I love both the Spinal Tap albums, but I wouldn't play either of them end to end again. And I feel the same way about this one. So how do you two feel about it? I think that's what you have to do, isn't it? Before you listen to this album, you read the personnel. Yeah. And and that puts your mind on the right wavelength. <laughs> I mean, is it a co Cobalt Stargazer and Flash Bastard. I mean, it's just brilliant. <laughs> um, I didn't call it novelty. I called it character. You know, there is this character. Yeah. Particularly in, 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 you know, in, um, in Zodiac Mind Warp. So you know, I was I was um, I was thinking of you know obviously one of Steve's favourite albums that we reviewed on the pod in Warfare, yeah, and mm. um, even a even a little bit of uh, of Meatloaf. So so there is it, it's definitely and, and we'll come on to it. You, know, you can tell that there's influences from you know people like Alice Cooper on this as well. Mm. Um, this is like Alice Cooper, yeah. This is Alice Cooper meets Rob Zombie kind of ca yeah, character, isn't it? Because one of the problems with the character-driven album is it it leaves you nowhere to go because everything still is absolutely centered around around that character. That said, I, yeah, I think the production's fantastic. I think some of the guitar work is brilliant, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, in terms of style, I mean, this is this is a sleaze album. This is this is sleaze rock. I mean, you're brought into the late eighties, nineties. So um, you know, there's 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 elements of um, of, of you know sunset strip sleaze on this as well as a bit you know gothy as obviously elements of cult there's um certainly yeah, uh, uh cooper as you say this would have then, then a lot draw a line from this and you get into stuff like white zombie but there are some oh yeah some there's some good tracks on this some really good tracks on it and and, and i think um the a lot of it comes down to um love hate or indifferent about zodiac himself no, I'd agree with with pretty much all of that. I think, Steve, what did um, where did you get to? <laughs> Listen, I was in a good mood anyway, just thinking about this album. I'm in a better mood now. I've just seen a learner driver go into a lamppost. <laughs> so, <I'm, laughs> so I'm now really happy. Mark, I've known you the best part of 40 years. I never knew you liked the KLF. I see you in a very different light, my friend, right now. Um, <laughs> and what and what what colour of light is that, Steve? <laughs> It's a night where I wish he disappeared. Black, gone, go away, go away. I no longer know you. We'll save that. We'll save that conversation for another day. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I I bought Zodi back in the day as well because you did because 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 you did. You know, it was it was out there, and the, the, just some of the singles that had come before the album, and they, they, they were kind of well known before it happened, as it were, kind of weren't they? And, and you just thought you wanted to be part of that. Um, so I remember buying it. Yeah, I pretty much echo everything you've said. I bought it, played it once, didn't play it again, picked it up last week for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely, where I was with that. It was that kind of novelty um, record, which is, you know, and that's my problem with this is is kind of marking it because it, 
creatively, it's difficult to mark very seriously, but that's not what the album was about. You know, in the, you know, Spinal Tap. I think Spinal Tap's funnier than this, personally. But you know, this is just silly rock silliness, isn't it? And 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 there's always been a time and a place for that. I've, we've all played. I think we've probably all played this album front to back, one track after another, all in one go. So, eleven tracks. So today, what I did was I just dipped in and out of it. And I played other stuff in between. And actually, when you just play one track, it's com- it's a completely different experience. And and you can really. I actually quite enjoyed playing it that way because it it, it was a bit fresher. Because uh, yeah. I think you're absolutely right, Steve, that you play this end to end and it's one track after another. And eventually, like all jokes, it wears thin. And and you just go, okay, well, I've had enough now. I'll go on and do something else. That experience is not unique to Zodiac Mindball because we've no. come across that with an awful lot of albums yeah. and serious, earnest albums as well, where you think track by track, actually, they're fine. I don't actually want to listen to it end to end. So that, that that's not particularly an accusation aimed at Zodiac Mindwarp, is it? No, Many more no. serious bands with them were making that same mistake of being a bit too samey. Dip in and out, and yeah, it's, it's a different sounding thing, definitely. Well, they've also made the mistake, haven't they? And, and again, this isn't down to, to this band at all, but they've also made the mistake of, of probably having an album that's three tracks too long because it, it yeah, does drop off at the, at the back end. Yeah. So, um, but let's, let's give it a spin and... Um, and see what it, how it stacks up, sort of one track at a time. Um, so the, uh, I, mean, I, I think I'm just going to get past the sort of the nonsense of the, of the, um, uh, of the spoken word stuff, because uh, that takes up quite. Well, it's not long, but it takes up more time than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start off with the uh, with the um, the single. Uh, Prime Mover, which got to number 18 in the UK charts. Not sure what it did anywhere else in the world. But this was the track that put Zodiac Mind Warp and the Love Reaction on the map. And all over Top of the Pops, all over TV, probably all over MTV as well. Um, And uh, what's not to like, it's bouncy. It's got a massively catchy chorus. Um, an, an, An absolutely incendiary guitar solo. I mean, this is one track that... I probably could play over and over again and I would tire of it eventually, but I've not tired of it this week. I'd still kind of feel the same way about this track now as I did back then. It's great. I'm less bothered about it. I must admit. Um, It's their biggest single, wasn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's catchy. It's all about the video. You've seen the video, presumably. I mean, it's just about the band having a fucking laugh um, and a, and a right old hoot. Um, To me, the song's not, that memorable i think there's better songs on it there's two or three better songs on it um but i love the lyrics i mean you're gonna talk some lyrics aren't you but um the, the you know i went over to songmeanings.com to see if anyone <laughs> had, had, had worthily discussed well i'm christ in shades i'm a napalm god your lipstick flickers around my lightning rod and funnily enough there were no comments no no one had uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no one had found any hidden meaning in that, and um, who knew? <laughs> yeah. um, listen, it's 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 a it's a right good romp um, to to kick off the album, but there's better tracks on here. Yeah, I mean, this, this was big in the UK, wasn't it? I mean, it was mm. all over the radio, uh, just everywhere, absolutely everywhere. You couldn't escape it. it. Felt it felt very fresh, very different. Tons of attitude, didn't it? It never grabbed me back then, personally. It, it's good, like it's, it's good, but for me, it's still not the the best track on the album. 
there are there are better ones here. Yeah. Um, but you can hear. I mean, it, again, you, you, we're going to talk a lot about the riffs. I mean, there are some killer killer riffs in this, and mm. and you, yeah, you you know, you know which song it is just from that. Those those just the opening few chords, don't you? And uh, they go all punky uh, with the second song, uh, which is uh, Skull Spark Joker. I think it's got a good build. I like the gang vocals. And it's that detuned guitar, isn't it? Detuned guitar is mm. so distinctive. Yeah, I think that's a solid track too. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I, I like this more than uh, Prime Mover. Yeah, me too. Skull Spark Joker, love it to bits. It's all very mean and sleazy. I love that riff, obviously. That's kind of almost going to be a, a given, isn't it, as, as this album goes on. And there's a bridge in there straight off Don't Change That Song by Faster Pussycat, and that fucking ticks every box for me. So, yeah. <laughs> winner. Well, winner, winner, winner. So we go from a winner to, um, well, track three, which is brilliantly ridiculous, Backseat Education. Um Look, I mean, I realise that actually for a lot of people listening, um, kind of understanding what these tracks are all about is going to be quite hard. So um, backseat education uh, is about shagging in the back of a car, just just in case you were thinking actually it's about somebody being home-taught. It's not. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, it really is just prime mover in a wig and a moustache. I think, because um, you can sing Prime Mover to it. And, and I think the lyrics are way more interesting than the song. But, um, but yeah, again, it's good fun. It's good fun. Mm. And the video is similar as well. It seems to involve yeah. girls and the band playing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> not, not exactly originality involved at any stage of this, but it was just a band having a laugh on it. Um, it all seems a bit dated now, but, you know, it does power along, definitely. But it's... Uh, it's not a patch on Skull Spark Joker. Yeah, but this has got again. This for me has got a real load of LE sleaze about it, hasn't it? And uh, those kind of chorus hooks, um, questionable subject matter, obviously. <laughs> real pace and energy to it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I think they, they, you know these these two beat the prime mover for me. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd go that far about this with um, with prime mover. I mean, there's a whole load of Alice Cooper in this. Uh, in, in this particular track, I think, um, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's. I just think it's too on the nose, really. Um, but I, I have to, I have to admit, by the way, I confess to this. I, up until this week, I always thought this was an American band because it sounded so LA sleaze. Um, mm. Of course, they're not; they're British. Um, we get to Bad Girl City, and uh, this is this. Kind of, you know how there are some albums where it just sags a bit in the middle. Yeah, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this point. is the sag. Big this is time. The sag. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's almost quite straight ahead, isn't it? But yeah, very. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is. This is. It's almost grating now. But again, it, it would have sounded different, wouldn't it? Presumably, back in the day. Um, if you're a teenager listening to this, you probably think it's amazing. But um, if you were buying into that kind of rock nonsense that they were trying to pedal, uh, you know, but yeah, you know, Christ, I still sing along to Animal Fuck Like a Beast, so I'm not going to, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that, yeah, what was that you know, I'm I mean, not childish. Yeah, well, you know, you've set in the bar with Faster Pussycat, you know, with uh, mm. only only one way to go from there, isn't it? I mean, we talk about. Repeat. So I, I found that Bad Girl City so similar to Backseat, but a bit inferior. 
And I yeah. think again, it, it is. It's this, it, if you're kind of hearing the same song again, it, it'll it will tire on you eventually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's got a fucking wicked riff running through it as well, though. It's um, I say it just it just lacks a bit. I think in the performance, in the delivery, the vocal performance. I mean, I, I personally, I think I think Mark Manning and Zodiac Mind Warp is as cool as fuck. I mean, you know, and I think the other thing you need to remember when you're listening to this stuff is that we were at a point where the music was changing anyway, weren't we? You know, mm. 88, 89 hair metal was on the way out and bands had to do something new to, to get noticed because, you know, metal was dying on its ass. And ultimately that's what obviously gave, you know, gave, opened the door for, for the G words. Um, and, while this is nothing like grunge, there is this is different. This is very different to other stuff that had kind of gone before it and was still around at the time. And it would have sounded, you're right, Steve, it would have sounded fresh and different and new and and exciting actually back in, mm. in, in the day. And you know, I think back, I'm what am I what was I in 89, 88, 89 when this came out? I was sort of 24, 23, 24. So maybe even I at that point was a bit too old for it. I don't know. Because um, this, this is a kind of, you know, this is you know, young, dumb and full of cum, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Um, and, it's, but, and it was a visual art form as well, wasn't it? That was yeah, it was. That, that they were yeah. there to be looked at as well. They're, they're, so they chucked out loads of videos and, and made themselves noticed at a time when, as you say, when, when <laughs> yeah, metal was flagging. Um, and, yeah. and this was a band who were prepared to expose every cliche about the, the art form that we love, milk it to its nth degree, and see where it took them. Um, well, there's a huge but, amount of irony in it, isn't there? Oh, god, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're yeah. taking the piss. Yeah, um, well, yeah, so it's not an album. This is not an album of serious artists who want to be taken seriously. Yeah. This is this is a good fun record by by you know some uh, an anti-establishment band um that were in it to tear stuff up and and mm. rebuild uh, mm. yeah. so um, well, I, mean, I, I personally i take flash bastard and cobalt stargazer very seriously <laughs> <laughs> what do you said what but you're not taking the other three seriously <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, track, but I mean, it, I mean, untamed shame, untamed sorry, untamed stare. It, it, it's uh, I mean, they've got such hooky guitar work, haven't they? And they and they yeah. play really well together. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, it's fantastic stuff. Well, I mean, with with this one, it he I talked earlier about the character, and he really does go overboard on the character on untamed stare, and uh, yeah. that started to turn me off a bit. I think oh, okay. on this one, it, and it, be, it becomes a bit of a racket by the end. Untamed stairs. It's it's metal at pace, Steve. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I, I like the way the, this side ends actually, because I like. I think. Um, I think Untamed Stair is a pickup from um, Bad Girl City, and I, I think the title track, which finishes it off, is track of the album anyway. So yeah, um, so do I. Yeah. Um, so th th there's a pickup with Untamed Stair, bags of energy, loads of pace, and then into this, you know, brilliant side one closer. Um, which you know contains elements that other tracks haven't, like a, you know a melody and a breakdown and you know a, a, a quite decent solo in it. It's almost they kind of it was almost a reminder that what they could do musically because I thought it was as close to the Almighty say as they came. And there's a, yeah. there's a mm. kind of you mm. know 
um, which is probably the biggest compliment I can pay that track. So that it shows their you know, musicianship. God, that sounds so sort of poncy when that's the, almost the last thing they were going for. But I, I, I really, really like the title track. I think it's brilliant. But does, do you not feel the way I feel about this? Which is, I, I got to this track, and I love this track. I, think, I like you, I think it's the track of the album. But I just, I sat there thinking, God, do you know what? I just wish more of the album was like this. Yeah. Because it would have been fantastic. It would have been... It comes as a surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it really does. And, and I feel sort of slightly, although I understand what they're doing for the rest of the album, I feel slightly disappointed... I mean, I think they, they, they do come close to it with a, another track, but you just think, God, you, you really did have it. And if you'd gone down this road, I wonder where that might have led. Yeah, but then again, I think, you know, if Spinal Tap had produced, you know, track three, side two had been something like Stairway to Heaven or the equivalent <laughs> thereof, you'd think, well, what the fuck is that doing there? And yes, there's, and there's, so th th this, this album was never going to be about being taken that seriously was it but so, it just so, so happens that this is a very good song so why put it on the album then yeah i know i know i know yeah it's that kind of either leave it off and be a fun band no, or put on something really musically accomplished which i think this is mm. and and what are you saying you're saying mm. oh by the way we can do this too i don't know mm. no i can't mm. answer that but um oh, glad they put it on glad they put it on i mean let's break the lord track one side two I think it's a very, very well-written and arranged song. Um, you know, it's more mid-paced. I love how it starts. Um, I think the verses are really well-arranged and, and atmospheric. You've got this bass line, ride cymbal, dual guitar. Um, but then you get, it's almost hit for, for me on um, on Let's Break the Law. The, the, the Zodiac character spoils the song because actually yeah. underneath it, I think yeah. it's fantastic. It's a great song. It's a good old chug, isn't it? So it's super nasty, super mean. But I'm with you, Richard. But, but, but I mean, Mind Warp, if I can call him that, um, he, he, he jars a bit, doesn't he, as, as, the, as the song goes on. Um, but then, of course, without his delivery, it wouldn't be them, would it, I guess? No, and he's, he is yeah. def very definitely channeling Alice here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I do think Tattoo Beat Messiah is the track of the album, but I think it's driven very close by um, Spasm Gang, Personally, how, how do we feel about mm. that? Yeah, no, proper old school punk number for me. I mean, I, I with that kind of nonsensical Zodiac twist, but I really like it. Like it again. I think it's a great song. This had the biggest echoes of like warfare for me, but with mm. someone who can actually hit notes. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think this is the last of the you know good songs on the album. Uh, I think the rest of it is either average or worse. Um, you know, starting with driving on holy gasoline. Uh, if I'm being absolutely honest, I, I, I have to play the songs at the end of this album to remember what they are. And ultimately, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? If this had been an eight-track song, an eight-track album, I think I'd have been much happier with it than than I am. And that's not to say I haven't enjoyed listening to it. I have, but I think it would have been, I would have felt less wearied at the end mm. of it. It's a foot tapper, isn't it? It's probably not their intention. It's probably almost like an insult, but it's um, <laughs> it's a, but it is very catchy. Foot tapper, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, Steve. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's the critique that Mark Manning was going for when he wrote the album. Yeah, quite, yeah. It's a good yeah. foot tapper, and his vocals let it down as well. But yeah, that's almost beyond the point there. 
for me, driving on gasoline, I, I think the, the riff is fine. I'm slightly bored by the, the vocal now. Planet Girl, I, I can take or leave. Uh, and Kid stuff, I don't think they hit the mark on on the sort of the epic track, uh, epic album closer. But it just feels like everything, it's like they've got down to the to the sludge. And rather than just going, yeah. actually, just, just not put it on, uh, they've gone, right, well, it's not, it's not all that great, but we'll just put those at the end of the end of the record. It is a massive wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I, I, I get, I kind of get why they did kids stuff um, because it's almost a joke, isn't it? You know, the big heartfelt yeah. finale. It's so tongue in cheek. Um, I find it hard to give it the low score it stylistically merits because that almost misses the point. <laughs> um, but it's not a good song, particularly. I'm, I'm with you on Party Girl. I think that's fairly shite as well. Um, it, it is a limp finish. Um, to an album that, you know, at points was quite exciting. Um, you know, it, 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 I'm, it still makes me laugh. I still think kid stuff's quite amusing um, just because of the sort of cheek of it, really. But um, it's not a great song, is it? Okay, well, look, um, let's let's find out which tracks were front and centre at the top of the pile and which one was, well, bottom and centre at the bottom of the pile. Steve, start with you. Oh, I don't fucking know, do I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, I like the title track. Tattoo Beat Messiah would be my um, track of the album. Um, and the weak link, for me, I'm giving it to Bad Girl City. Okay. School-wise, Bad Girl City. Yeah, Rich? Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, my low would be kid stuff. And a high, I think I'm going to give to Skull Spark Joker. Okay, well, I'm kind of split between the two of you because my my highlight on the album is is the title track, Tattoo Beat Messiah, but I'm with you, Richard, on the low, which I've also got as kid stuff. Um, Tony, thank you for track or for album one of the three because... Um, that's been a really interesting listen. Really enjoyed the week with it. Um, and I have a much better impression and aftertaste from the album today in 2022 than I did back in 1988. Um, so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, but we move on to album number two. Uh, one of my favourite albums by this band, if not the favourite album by this band, I don't know because I haven't gone back and checked the scores that I gave to the predecessor on the pod. Uh, but we're going to discuss The Cult and Sonic Temple. Steve. Opening album sleeve notes. Right. The Cult and Sonic Temple. Okay. Let's let's start with the non-contentious stuff, shall we? <laughs> i.e. the factual <laughs> stuff. Sonic Temple, their fourth album, released on April 11th, 1989, recorded the autumn, the fall of the year before, September to November 88, released on the Beggar's Banquet label. It runs to 52 minutes, and it was produced by Bob Rock. Um, fourth album, fourth different producer. Um, first one with Bob Rock at Little Mountain Sound in Vancouver, a very well-known um, studio in uh, the far side of Canada. Um, previous album was Electric in 1987. The next album was Ceremony in 1991. The Personnel, um, classic lineup, really. Well, no, no, not quite. No, Ian Asprey on lead vocals, Billy Duffy on lead guitar, and Jamie Stewart on bass. And they had Mickey Curry um, arrive to take care of drums. 
it's reached number three in the UK. It reached number 13 down under. Um, and there are 10 tracks on it, um, all written by Duffy and Asprey. Uh, five on side one, Sun King, Firewoman, American Horse, Edie Chow Baby, Sweet Soul Sister. And then on side two, Soul Asylum, New York City, Automatic Blues, Soldier Blue, and Wake Up Time for Freedom. this on wikipedia and uh, i'm guessing they're not wrong guitar world magazine or website whichever one it is in 2015 rated sonic temple in the top 20 of hair metal albums of the 80s that's right folks you heard that right hair metal am i not the only one thinking the f- when the fuck worked the cult a hair metal band <laughs> so we're, we're talking sea changes people here now i like the cult a lot but then yeah, yeah. We've had this conversation before, having reviewed Love, which was the, the album that Mark referred to earlier, their second album in a previous episode of the pod. Um, and we, we questioned Love's metalness, um, legitimately, I think, before we did it. But we did question it. Well, Mark questioned it. We told him the fuck off. And we did it anyway. Um, but there is absolutely no questioning the metalness of Sonic Temple. This is this is a bona fide heavy metal album. Um so, uh, which just <laughs> leads me asking the question, is it a cult album? Uh, and it, it's almost a conversation that is kind of an aside because we're not here to worry about the sort of the, the, the rights and wrongs, the, the ethics and the, the reasons why they went down this way. We're here to review it as an album. And it's a very good metal album. But there's part of me that thinks, you know, I love them for their indiness and their gothicness and their Native Americanness and that, that that very kind of distinct, identifiable sound that the cult manufactured on their first two albums, culminating in love. That was special, and um, and it stood them apart. Here we are, just a couple of years down the line, and they don't want to stand apart. 
they want to be one of the best hair metal bands of the 80s. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm thinking, so seismic steps, so comparisons, I immediately thought of, and there's an interesting coincidence, I immediately thought of High and Dry and Hysteria by Def Leppard, albums two and four. Poles apart. And here we go, the cult albums two and four, Love um, and Sonic Temple. Um, and again, you know, this a remarkable, I found a great word, transmutation of a band that's a fucking word i mean that that's that's what we've got here this transmutation of, of, of a band um but it, and it was a choice you know the cult wanted to do this they, they weren't railroaded down this avenue i've read many interviews with billy duffy doing some work for this and you know one of the ones that, he, that many of the quotes he's given he wanted to capture the essence of what a power chord sounded like they wanted to become a metal band fuck's sake just look at the album cover I mean, it couldn't be more metal. The bloke's just standing. I think it's Duffy, isn't it? The guitarist mm -hmm. on the, on the yeah. um, he's just he's just standing there like a rock god um, on an album cover. That just wouldn't have happened, you know, a few years earlier. But yeah, basically, that I mean, as I say, that's purely for kind of conversational purposes. It's an interesting conversation. But the album itself, great. I still love Asprey's voice, um, it, but it's still tinged, and it's still tinged with a kind of disappointment that much of what made the cult so memorable so sort of defiantly distinctive that sort of indie sound that they brought into um the hard rock domain with love it's vanished you know it's, it's pretty much gone um but i'm but you know i'll mark this on its merits as a standalone album um and i shall mark it high because um because there's some great songs on it um but it, it, it's playing with my head it's just playing with my head um has it played with your head I, I can see the line of sight. You know, we, we when we reviewed Love, mm. even though you know there was, you know, it, it, to what extent is it, you know it, it, does Love fit in in our hard rock heavy metal family? You know, we we reviewed how their fans hated them for it mm. because that even with Love, they'd taken this step towards you know a much a deliberate step towards a much more rockier sound because it mm. appealed to them. Then. So, so if you look at you know you look at where they came from before love to love and then love to electric mm. and then electric to this there is there is a line of sight yeah um so it was it was clear where they wanted to be and i mean they, they just wanted they absolutely wanted to smash america with this didn't they i mean that that, that was that was their um th their purpose and uh, yeah i mean which which they achieved I'm fascinated to see. I'm fascinated to see in terms of our scores track by track because I haven't added yeah. up and averaged no, mine yet right. versus love. Yeah. And we're still to do electric. So mm, yeah. so this is going to be fascinating. Yeah. I'm so fucking shallow. I really am. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just went, yes, that's what I want. Um, and here I am feeling like I've sold myself out after that, Steve, because you go, <laughs> oh, my God. He, he's, I love the cult. And, yeah, this is brilliant, but it's not really the cult. And, and I'm like, no, it's great. It's great. Um, this will have come as a surprise to absolutely nobody after Electric. Yeah. Because, as Richard says, line of sight, you can map you can map the cult all the way from the, the debut right the way through to ceremony and beyond. And it, it is just stepping stones and they're all in the line. You know how we talked about Led Zeppelin three and how I, I think it was, I said, I felt three was sort of slightly on a line of stepping stones. Three was slightly out to one side. You couldn't have 
you couldn't have Zeppelin 4 without it, but equally it was mm-hmm. very different to Zeppelin 2 and very different to Zeppelin 4. There's, th- this is this is absolutely mapped out, and and I love this album. I think 80% of this album is absolutely fantastic. I think there's a bit of dross at the back end. Um, I love Electric as well. I loved Electric when it came out. I still love the old cult, uh, you know, the 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 not heavy metal cult. I think they're fantastic. Uh, and I think on Love, you've got two of the greatest, of the two best songs that the cult ever wrote, um, you know, in Big Neon Glitter and and uh, a Rain. But I just think this is, this is absolutely fantastic. As a piece of hard rock, heavy metal, thank you very much, lads, because uh, I... This is one of my favourite, I mean, not just my favourite, well, as I will find out whether it's my favourite cult album or not, but if it is, it's not just one of my favourite cult albums, it, it is also one of my favourite albums. So, um, Tony, great choice, mate. I'm very, very happy to have spent the last week in the company of this. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely go along with that. Yeah, definitely. But I, I can tell you now, hand on heart, and I've not even done the maths. It's not my favourite cult album. I always thought I always thought Ceremony was a, wasn't quite on the same trajectory, um, but I think they were so fucked up at that point, weren't they? They were just yeah. It's got Wild Hearted Son on it, hasn't it? Which is which is about as heavy metal as you can get as well. So yeah, there's, well, there's yeah, quite a lot of harder stuff on it. Stuff going on, stuff going on. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a good old-fashioned 10-tracker, five per side, which is nice, cute, easy. Um, kicks off with Sun King. <laughs> I like it. You know, I like the structure. I like that kind of light-touch start. Twin-paced main riffs. Um, chorus is safe enough, if I'm honest. That's it, really, for me. <laughs> I just I, I find it quite a safe track, if I'm honest. Nothing exceptional here. Much better tracks to come. Um, the first Duffy solo that smacks of a more upfront metal approach, um, which is fine. It's not a knee in the nuts by any stretch for me. Um, but I like it. It's only it's only track one because of the opening, I think, because there are better yeah. side one openers on this album. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's because it builds, isn't it? it? It starts off with sort of fairly um, uh, this sort of pining guitar line going through it, and then the dr- tribal drums come in. Don't know what you're worrying about with your, you know, Native American stuff. There's plenty of that on this album, um, and Sun King is one of them. I think. I think Sun mm. King's got a lot of tribal stuff about it. So um, I like Sun King, but yeah, it's we, we've not got to the main event yet without Shalvadin. No, I actually think I think it's great. I, I, I love the atmosphere and the build. I mean, yeah. Um, Bob, Bob Rock's production spot on from the start, isn't it? Mm. And, and I mean, there was a view, wasn't there? Wasn't it? Was it Rick Rubin? I think that, that produced Electric and it was. The, the, yeah. the feeling that they that they you know in the, the desire to get a more stripped back sound, they they really did strip it to the bone. I, I still love Electric, but there's um there's a, they've added a sophistication back in on on this album, and that and that comes through straight away with um. With Sun King, I, I think it's a fantastic opener and um, one of the, the tracks of the album for me. And I think that you know this married with with Firewoman track two, there is I don't know about you two, there is a real heat. I don't know how they've managed to do it. The atmosphere on both of these tracks, you, you can always feel the heat of them uh, yeah, in the, and just in the guitar sound and and just just everything else going on. Um, I mean, so the I mean the, the you know the pair of them are I, I think. A, a fantastic way to kick off the album. It's a great metal sound, isn't it? No, no two ways about it. I mean, I prefer Firewoman to Sun King, I must admit. 
yeah, what was that great quote about Ruben? He didn't so much produce them as reduce them. That was that yes, was what that was. Yes, that's it. That's, yes, yes. Um, with with electric, um, but rock rock was never going to do that, was he? He was, was going to let them flower and and um, and and yeah, just bring so much more power and sort of you know energy and everything. Um, yeah, no, I, I prefer Fire Woman to Sun King. Number one in New Zealand for Ant- our Antipodean friends, Fire Woman. Um, and apparently, and um, Tony would know this better than me, this is the song that plays out Australia's F1 shows on whatever channel F1 is shown down under. There you go. Um, which would make Fire Woman presumably hugely recognisable um, down there, which would explain why it's their most successful single in Australia, reaching number 24 in the charts. There you go. We don't just do fucking entertainment on this show. We do education as well, babies. Um, yeah, no, I like Firewoman more than Sun King, but it's a good start. Great start. My frothometer is bubbling. <laughs> Absolutely bubbling. I love Firewoman. Absolutely love it. It's such a hooky song. I, I try not to sing too much. It's not fair on other people, but oh my God, <laughs> this is this has got a hook like you wouldn't believe. I absolutely adore it. Fantastic. And it's the, it's the breaks and it's the, the double kick on the drums. Oh, man, God. <laughs> very happy. Uh, well, you might be happy, but of course, we all know that the best song is yet to come because it's American Horse, which is track three, um, which is, I just love to bits i forget all the bollocks about what it's about because whenever you hear asprey or duffy try to explain what their song's about it's just so beyond ludicrous <laughs> you just think what, what drugs were you on lads i mean it's, so he talks about it being a sort of black stallion with the indian bees and the american flag draped over it all very symbolic it's a great song though i'm, I'm a, am i alone in thinking this is the, the pick of the first three uh, I love that prolonged yeah. kind of tortured ending, you know, built around that the, the best piece of solo work, to my uh, mind. Yeah, I mean, don't, on this album. don't get me wrong. I, I love American Horse. I really do. I think it's got huge amounts of atmosphere and, um, and I think it's, it's, it's relentless in, in the kind of the, the grit and the rhythm in it. But mm-hmm. no, it's not, it's not my track of the album. It's, it, 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 it wouldn't, I don't think it would be in my top three. Actually, oh I really? Yeah. yeah, I like the idea that it's a cross between "We Will Rock You" and "Going Crazy." I think that's that's a fine talent. That's a that's a fine little uh, cocktail. That is. Which, oh, which Steve makes it derivative. Therefore, I don't. Like <laughs> <it>. <laughs> what a yeah. fantastic way to describe it. I, I think, uh, yeah, um, I, it, it's um, it's not up there with the 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 two that preceded it for me. But I think why you like it is there are there are echoes of love here. Again, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's, massively. Uh, that that's clear, um, and the the groove is infectious. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah. what we've actually concluded, Steve, is that you're just pining for a previous version of the band. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> because I'm not, because I gen, yeah, you know, I love my metal, or, 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 but oh, fuck off, yeah. Um, so listen, well, listen, while I sulk, you talk me through Ed Chow Baby, which is track four. Piece of fucking genius. That's all mm-hmm. you need to know. Absolutely love it. I think it's brilliantly constructed. I think it's haunting, beautiful. I think his vocal on it is amazing. I think the it, it shows their kind of 
softer that their ability because it builds into something monstrous mm -hmm. but but at the front and the back end of it you get this kind of really gentle treatment of what is actually a beautiful melody so um yeah one of the tracks on the album and uh, to be honest i haven't even finished scoring this album because i'm i'm not sure i should be trusted with the scores because I, I just <laughs> yeah yeah um just uh, one take the, some responsibility man you're gonna have yeah, to score it all right yes i know but i'm worried that it's going to end up with lots of tens <laughs> this is what bob rock does for you doesn't it yeah i mean it, 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 the the layers the accents yeah. the little bits and pieces that just fade in and out i mean it's so brilliantly brilliantly layered i love the strings i don't know who did the orchestration i couldn't find out i mean of course i was wondering whether they got Michael Kamen in again. Yeah, I'm sure he yeah. did. Yeah. It sounds um, like it, doesn't it? It, really it does. does. Yeah. It absolutely does. Um, so it needs headphones, this one. It really, uh, yeah. if you please get, a, you know, if you want to really understand this song, get a proper, decent pair of headphones and, and uh, enjoy it. Um, although I mean, Duffy, I read that he felt that they'd still missed the target a bit on this. Yeah, no, echo everything you've just said. And we sign off with the final single off the album, the final track on side one, which is Sweet Soul Sister, which they wrote in Paris, apparently, about the American culturalization of Europeans. Um, yeah, okay. Very sultry, love that groovy bass line. It's just an all-round good song. Um, yeah, a, a really good end to a, to a really good side of, side of music. For me, this is the closest to anything off of love. I, I put this in nearly the you know, same bucket stuff like Revolution. Um, you got that groove, you got a fantastic bass line. And this is where I mean mm. Duffy knows how to write a hook, doesn't he? Mm. Uh mm -hmm. this just gives you a great big cuddle and doesn't let go. <laughs> yeah. For me, inevitably, this is a slight tiny step down from Edie, but but yeah, we're talking about uh, tenths, hundreds, thousandths of a of a mark, really. Um mm -hmm. It's a fantastic way to end the album, uh, the, this side of the album. Sultry, moody, beautiful, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, no, it is, it is good. Um, so that's side one. Side two, I don't know whether I'm alone in thinking this, it does tail away, I think. Yeah. Um, and it starts from an absolute banging eye, um, Soul Asylum. Um, well, it's just one of my favourite cult tracks. There's the something that baseline, there's something of the sort of joy division or new order about that baseline. Nothing in the least bit joy division about the guitar solo, um, which is really frenetic. It's moody, but the song's moody. It's, it just chugs and it thunders. It, it, it almost, if there's a negative, it kind of loses its way a little bit about the five and a half minute mark. Um, <laughs> five and a half minutes, for fuck's sake. The song lasts almost eight, by the way. Um, when they try to go a little bit Metallica. I, is it too long? Arguably, but I still love it a bit. It's just such a mood. It's got such scale, hasn't it? That's the, that's yeah. the thing. And, you know, and, it, and what they, and I think what they do, that guitar solo aside, what the cult are so good at doing is, is controlling a song. They have complete control over this throughout the whole thing. So, mm it would be very easy to go at this sort of three and a half minute mark. Okay. Well, let's hit the, you know, put the hammer down, let's go. But they don't, they just keep holding it and holding it and holding it. And yeah, the, the guitar solo is a bit 
um, is a bit frenetic, but it's also got this sort of very hugely melodic chorus. I just, yeah, fantastic way to open side two. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm going to say brilliant a lot. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the first impression here and again at the start, it's, um, I, th I think Rage Against the Machine stole this for Wake Up off of their debut. That Um Again, a lovely subtle orchestration, just nice layers. I do feel by the time it gets to, as you say, five minutes, it's starting to drag a little for me. Not a dirge, <laughs> not a no, dirge, no. but yeah. just just drag a little. Um, yeah. So can I just interject and I'll just throw a little grenade into the party here, which is, I don't know, Richard, whether you would agree with this or whether you've picked this up, but there is something of Stargazer about this track. Yeah, I hadn't got that. I'll let me give that another listen. It's just that it's the yeah. underlying rhythm, the air yeah, and, the flow okay. and the wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um uh, which which surprises me that you like it so much. I mean, obviously it's not Rainbow and it's not Ronnie James Dio singing it, so that's probably better from your point of view anyway, Steve. But but given the structure <clears> of the song, it's actually quite similar to Stargazer. I'm surprised you don't like Stargazer more than you do. But anyway, it's a different conversation. Just thought I'd have it in. <laughs> That's thrown you. That's one, one to mull over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I would mull over it, but I'm now listening to um, New York City, which is... Uh, oh, my God. Oh, here we go again. It's brilliant. Yeah. Can I come up? Okay. No. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. That was the word. Yeah. I like it. I love the energy. I love the pace, obviously. Um, uh, more screaming guitars. I mean, what's not to like? A daft conversational bit with, of all people, Iggy Pop, um, who they apparently road to the studio from a gig on the back of Asprey's bike. Um, I'd have done it for half the price. Um, it doesn't add anything to it. Um, but, yeah, no, no, I like the song. I love the pace. Love the pace of it. And, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I do love it. And I love that kind of lyric as well that goes through the sort of pre-chorus. Um, yeah. It's, it's the bridge. It's the bridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I find it a bit straightforward, actually. I like oh, the is, blank sense of the honky tonk piano, the guitar parody. work, but it, it's. <laughs> um, I expect a bit more of them than this. Yeah, but you, you're not expecting more from Mark, are you? He loves straightforward. No, not, no, no. But you're not. You're not shallow. That's your problem. You're not shallow, <laughs> and I am. And it's a great riff, and I love it. Yeah, but is this um, the last time? No, but that's the last time I'm going to say that it's fantastic or brilliant. Yeah, no, 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 and, and, and I'm absolutely with you on that because I think it, 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 I think it drops quite substantially. Goes off automatic blues, Goes off soldier blue, and yeah. wake up time for yeah. freedom. I mean, there's elements of decency about all three. They suddenly go a bit Aerosmith with automatic blues. Um, there's a bit of adamantine drumming about soldier blue, which I quite like harks back to love. But it's a bit average as a song. Um, some of the moodiness in wake up time for freedom. I love the guitar work in wake mm -hmm. up time for freedom. Fucking hate that chorus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it tails. It tapers rather badly. I think. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I quite, uh, I quite like automatic blues. It, I mean, really, okay. it really is the can't do Aerosmith, isn't it? It absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but I like how it sort of drops you down, sweeps you up again. Um, but yeah, Soldier Blue. I mean, 
kind of sounds like sort of a bit of a ha- rehash of Hollow Man with some other bits of love, and it, it is running out of steam a bit. And then we wake up in time for freedom, and I'm glad to see George Michael makes an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's um, yeah. George Michael meets Guns and Roses. It's wake up in time for freedom. Um, some cowbell on it, not enough for an entry. Oh, Mark. Uh, nothing to add really i mean i i think i've, I've said it. it's uh, that as you've said there are bits of each of the last three songs that i think are very good um but it's as a complete as complete songs they've got they sag a bit uh, around the edges yeah i can i can take or leave the last three tracks if i'm being completely honest so my money's on love in a match bet between love and sonic temple then based on that news um, but we shall see when the scores come in. Right, let's have some um, highs and lows. Mark, what you got? Uh, well, I think uh, Soldier Blue actually is my low. Um, but oh God, how to choose? Let's say Firewoman. I mean, there are two or three that have got the same score here. So mm-hmm. Firewoman. If I had to take one to a desert island, uh, low, uh, it'll be between Soldier Blue working in time for freedom. Yeah, it really does drop off at uh, at, at the end there. And the high, um, oh, cigarette paper between Sun King and Firewoman. I, I think as a as a as a starter, um, uh, it, it, it is an absolute corker. Um, oh crumbs! Oh, today, Sun King. <laughs> okay, I was going to say it'd be interesting to see the difference between side one and side two, but my favourite is first track of side two, um, Solar Silence. That kind of knackers that possible source of conversation um and uh the weak link yeah soldier blue i think for me um so there you go album two of three sent to us from down under by tony hope um yeah i'd be interested to know your thoughts on the i mean i'm presuming that tony loves all loves the bollocks off all three of these things so um but, he loves uh, his 80s music yeah he loves his, his 80s, 80s metal music. yeah 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 even hair metal like the cult how about that yes yeah <laughs> um right so one more and this is the interesting one i really really interesting one um only because it's a band I, i've not heard of and i don't know about you two but um this was the i said the wild card from our man in queensland the Angels. I mean, we've done a fair. We did an we did an episode on Angels, but it wasn't this band. Was we had three yeah. others, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a well worn a well worn um, noun in, um, in 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 the world of metal. But this is the Angels from Australia, I'm guessing. But I know a man who knows more than they do more than I do, and that's Richard because he's researched them. So what do we know? Opening album sleeve notes. Yeah, they've been going a while. We're, we're talking here about an album they brought out in 1989. Uh, they were actually formed in the mid-70s, in, in 74, in, in Adelaide, by their frontman, uh, Doc Neeson, Bernard Doc Neeson. They, they sort of were doing the circuits and everything else, but then uh, they were uh, they supported ACDC during a South Australian tour. And uh, with the recommendation of Bon Scott, Malcolm Young, they uh, signed a recording deal with, with Albert Productions. Uh, ACDC's label. They uh, got, had a co- got a contract with CBS in 1980, and they uh, released a number of number of albums, various albums. Um, but uh, the one that Tony has uh, chosen uh, for us is uh, is their ninth studio album, Beyond Salvation, uh, that was released in November 1989 in the US. 
followed by June 1990 in Australia, and then some time in 1990 as well in the UK and Europe and elsewhere. It was recorded in 1989 in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, at Ardent Studios and uh, Alpha Sound Studios. It was produced by Terry Manning, who we've, we featured many times before, and we connected with... Um, Memphis, uh, and uh, also with the likes of ZZ Top, amongst others. The album runs to uh, just over 48 minutes in length. The band at that time, so Doc Neeson, still on lead vocals, Rick Brewster, lead guitar, Bob Spencer on rhythm guitar, James Morley on bass, and Brent Eccles on drums. Uh, it didn't really do much in uh, the rest of the world, but it got to number one in Australia. It went platinum in Australia. And uh, was the 23rd top-selling album uh, that year in, in 89 Australia. So, I mean, these guys were were big, big news in, in Australia. Uh, Track-wise, it uh, runs to 11, uh, 6 on side 1 uh, and uh, 5 on side 2 that I'll talk about in a minute. But what was interesting was that the the 11 tracks properly you know, recorded and released in Australia... Uh, for this album, only three of them made it onto the international release. The rest of that album taken up by six tracks off of previous albums, uh, which I'm presuming uh, CBS and Epic decided that they would blend to uh, to see if they could actually get this this uh, Australian band to break it elsewhere in the world. Uh, one of those songs uh, is a is a song called "Am I Ever Going to See Your Face Again," which I think is their most famous song uh, inside Australia. Um, plenty of YouTube videos about it um, because it has uh, a uh, a crowd chant re- retort uh, to the uh, the to the to the words of the the title of the song. And that retort uh, is in typical Australian style. No way, get fucked, fuck off. Uh, so yeah, search out the YouTube clips. It's it's very funny, and it would. Uh, I, I mean, but, you know, Tony has has loved going to uh, Angels gigs and uh, shouting this back at the band. Um, I mean, a little bit of other history. I'm unfortunately, uh, Doc Neeson um, uh, had a, uh, was diagnosed with a brain tumor uh, in uh, in 2013. And uh, eventually he uh, he died uh, the following year, um, but I mean they're held in huge regard in uh, in Australia, um, and the likes of Midnight Oil, Rose Tattoo, uh, all, all came to the, uh, the the Doc Neeson benefit gig. But outside Australia, they, they they've been cited by Guns N' Roses, Cheap Trick, Great White, uh, and even Pearl Jam as uh, as having influenced their music so yeah i mean shame on us for not knowing about these guys thank you tony for introducing us to them it's been a really really good listen how how have you gone with it yeah it's well, it's been a it's easy to criticize bands for being a bit derivative isn't it um though you probably know where this is going because i mean the, 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 to be honest pretty much all bands are going to be derivative in some sense aren't they because um we're all singing from the same rock template. Um, and this album's not massively original. Let's not pretend any otherwise. But it's good. It's really good. It, it, it does get a bit samey, and they are definitely a decent guitar solo or two, short of being really excellent. Um, but there are, there, are, there are no duffers on here, no duffers at all. One or two very decent tracks, 
um, and a few more that are fine. And this has been a grower. It's been a slow grower, admittedly, but a grower, you know, there's going to be ACDC references in our conversation. I mean, the, the idea of them supporting ACDC, I mean, you know, don't shut your eyes because you're going to wonder who's on stage at any one time, aren't you? But, but you know, we, we didn't hate on Crocus for, for, the, for the same thing particularly, did we? I mean, and they were more ACDC than ACDC at times. Um, and you, you wouldn't say that about Angels. This is clearly an album which means the world to Tony. I don't quite get it to the same extent that, that Tony does and doubtless millions of other Australians who have grown up on this sort of stuff who would tell me over a beer or two why he thinks it's better than I think it is. But it's just missing some magical ingredient. I can't put my finger on it because I'm not creative enough to, to figure that out. But there's just, just something slightly missing about it. But I've scored it well because it's not a dull listen by any stretch. I've enjoyed it. I, yeah, I broadly agree with all that. I think <clears throat> I think the thing it's missing is it isn't truly original. That that's I think that's the issue with it. As somebody who is an unashamed and unapologetic ACDC fan, I'm just sitting there going, "Well, you can hear the influence in this, and the fact that they support you know ACDC, the fact that you know clearly they Bon and Angus and Mal gravitated to towards them and." No surprise there. Uh, I think the only reason the Angels are Australia's biggest selling band is because probably somebody decided that ACDC were four-fifths British and therefore didn't qualify um, because I can't believe the Angels outsold ACDC in Australia. Um, even though ACDC, I think, got a bit of shtick for not really coming home very much. But um, anyhow, um, that's by the by. Like you, it's grown on me a lot over the week. Um, some tracks that I kind of almost dismissed at the beginning of the week have become favourites as the, as the week's gone, gone on. And I think that that really kind of demonstrates one of the challenges that we have on the show, which is if you spend long enough with something... I mean, I remember, right? And I remember having this with, with Lucifer's friend, you know, back in whenever we did that, a year or so back, or a bit more now. And sitting there thinking, I don't get it. You know, this appears on every top you know, top 50 list, top 20 list of hard rock and heavy metal albums of the 1970s and beyond. You know, what is the fuss about? And then suddenly, I don't know what it is, but something just happens and your ears click into place and suddenly I got it. And the same thing happened with with this band and this uh, album this week. And yeah, I've, I, I finished the week really enjoying the time that I spent with it. I think it, yeah, I, I agree with you, Steve. I, I don't think it is, um, you know, a, a, a wildly original or wildly creative piece of work, but it is an enjoyable piece of work. And ultimately, mm. isn't that what counts in the end anyway? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 11 tracks, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, side one is Let the Night Roll On, Backstreet Pickup. Dogs are talking, rhythm rude girl, jump back baby, and love weights. And on side two, we've got bleeding with the times, pushing and shoving, bitch, beyond salvation, type track, and final is take an X. Welcome back. Hey, talk to me, talk to me. Tell me what you're gonna do. 
Right, so let's let's kick off then. Let the night roll on. Um, I mean, it's oh, it's a good opener, isn't it? I mean, and um, and I, I do I do like uh, Doc Neeson's voice. I mean, it, it does. It's it, again, it's a bit sleazy in 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 this opener. I mean, this I've got here. Sort of, <laughs> this is uh, to make this comparison. It's as ACDC meets a bit of Brian Adams' Reckless in terms of the guitar. Really catchy <laughs> chorus, and and I can just imagine. I mean, this would be great live. I mean, it really, mm. really drives you along. I, I, I think it's a good opener. This is one of those that grew. I mean, because as soon as you hear the start, those first yeah ten seconds for you, Rich, you're thinking, oh fucking hell, straight off Power Ridge. Um, and you're thinking we're going to get some third division DC here, but it's not. It's more than that. You know, it's it's bluesy. There's a, there's an okay solo. I've, I've got a weakness with the solos on here, um, but it, it gets you in a happy enough place. It's not spectacular, but I think it's a really good start. It's a really really decent start. And one of the one of the tracks on here that's, that's definitely grown on me as the as the Fortnite mm. has gone on. Mm. Yeah. I'd echo that. I think one thing that I w- would observe about this and other tracks on the album is. They're, it's almost like they've got they've got one too many steps in the process sometimes. I, I can't remember which one it was. Backstreet Pickup, I think it is, where, where you just go, you just think, actually, if you'd taken out a couple of bars uh, and gone got to the chorus quicker, it would have, been, would have been a much better song. And I kind of feel like that about a lot of the songs on the album, that they've there's they've almost overcomplicated it. And in overcomplicating it, they take something away from it. They do that on this as well, I think, but it's not quite as as a, much of an issue for me. I think it is. It's a great chorus. You know, mm. In a live setting, you're just going to have a time of your life. Yeah, and, and, it, and the energy carries on, doesn't it, into Backstreet Pickup track two. Um, really nice, dirty guitar sound on it. I, lo- I like these first couple of tracks. Our, our simpleton riff friend will love this. <laughs> I mean, that riff's great, isn't it? The, the, the way it picks up, a backstreet pickup, it does pick up. I think it's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. And uh, it's almost like he's borrowed Billy Gibbons' guitar. It's tuned the mm. same way, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, <clears throat> I just, I, I, I would have called it nice to see you again because I don't think the backstreet pickup bit of the uh, of the song is necessary. It just uh, This is another bit where you just go, no, just get to the chorus, get to the chorus because it's really yeah. good. This has grown on me a lot. But I could do without that backstreet pickup bit. All right, so dogs talking are next. This is a bit more sort of stripped back, isn't it? A bit simpler, uh, not as good as the first two for me. Charges along nicely. Reminded me a bit of Jackal. Remember we did Jackal back yeah, in yeah, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty nine. Going back to their punk roots a little bit, aren't they as well with this? Yeah, it's, um, it's a proper kind of yeah. It's a it's a big old new wave chug. You can see someone with a sort of nasty snarl having a spit, you know, safety pin in his mouth. It's got that sort of sound to it, that sort of vibe to it. It's not as good as the first two. No, you're right. No, it's not. And it wouldn't, but it wouldn't be out of place on their debut or their or their second album. No. Um, and I wonder when it was written. Actually, I wonder if this is mm. something that maybe was left over from a previous session because mm. it is a very different listen to to the rest of the album, isn't it? Yeah, and that's followed, and that's followed by "Rhythm Rude Girl," um, which I mean, first time I, <laughs> I thought. Has ACDC suddenly got onto my uh, my playlist? <laughs> that real stripped back, proper ACDC start. Very Angusy guitar fills on it. Big, solid, proper Williams bass line, and a really catchy chorus. Yeah, I like this, but it's quite more. Well, so it's quite more. Well, it's not even English. Um, it's a bit. It's a. It's a bit cleverer, I think, as a song. Yeah, with the first three. Uh, 
you can almost sort of see a bit of a template. Um, but this is a bit different. It's got a bit of um, sort of jazzy, funky stuff going on it as well, uh, which I think is it's just quite a refreshing thing. Five and a half minutes, possibly a bit long, I would mm. say. But, you know, um, I'm not going to give them hell for that. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. No, you 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 just said two of the worst words in in rock music, jazzy and funky. So, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you don't like this much, then, Steve? <laughs> it's all right. It's a bit. There's a bit. It's a bit bluesy, bit groovy, which are probably better ways of saying jazzy and funky. Um, yeah, it's not knocking me off. It's not knocking me off my feet, certainly. Well, I thought about jump back, baby. Um, I mean, that that's. Fairly straightforward for me. I mean, catchy choruses. They do catchy choruses. I like the bass line again, mm. but the side's starting to tail off a little for me. Again, you know, this track lacks a guitar solo, a memorable guitar solo as well, and this whole album does, really. It's okay. I, that, I think, I mean, I don't know, because obviously, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we've become experts on this band in the week. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's right. What is the problem here that they're trying to be a live band in the studio? Because I imagine that live, this band were quite impressive, mm. you know, because this type of music is, isn't it? Live, you think yeah. ACDC in full flight. Um, you know, they're, they're quite a sight and a sound to behold. And I wonder if this is the same. And maybe actually it's always going to sound a bit flat because you know that probably when the, you put them on a stage, they're going to be eight, ten times better. I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I don't Yeah, know. no, that's that's a, that's a value. I mean, you're going to hate me for saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Kiss. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's exactly, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, let's finish off side one with uh, Love Waits. Um, yeah, probably the weakest track for me on the on the side. Um, I feel the chorus is a bit flat um, because the verses promise more. And the verses, well, that's unskinny bop. The verses are unskinny <laughs> yeah. bop. Uh, what can you say? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find something constructive to say about it, but it, it, it side one goes out with a bit of a whimper, doesn't it? To be honest, so, uh, yeah, there, there's a decent element or two in there. I, I like there's one or two tasty bridges, but you know, the, there you go. That's 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 but the positive spill in it. But that finish, uh, that that half drag, which is a shame, which is a shame. But th therefore, it, it demotes the track to little more than you know, just okay, really. I quite I quite like the chorus. I do quite like the chorus. It it's fine, but it's it, again. You look at it, you go, well, it's eleven tracks, lads. Yeah. You could have done ten, and and I I, I kind of feel a bit of, like that about the last track on the album as well. To be fair, but um, yeah. Ooh. Oh, we're going to have a bit of conflict, are we? Excellent. Yeah, very much so. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So right. Yeah. So let's flip it over and. Uh, Track one aside, two is uh, bleeding with the times, which I really like. Mm, yeah. This has grown on me a lot. Now I got this. I think I I was on board with this the first time. I it's 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 it, a kind of good old fashioned storytelling. It is. Yeah, Springsteen could have done it. It's it's that sort of song. It's that sort of feel to it, and uh, it's, it makes it very engaging. I mean, again, not an unusual backbeat because that's been going on all the way through, and that's fine. Um, yeah. But oh, yeah, no, I really like this. I think um, this is very decent. Well, one of the tracks of the album for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The track of the album for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. me too. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, and that's covered, uh, that's followed by pushing and shoving, another very ACDC start, but the best description I could come up with for people listening, this song is Aerosmith's Ragdoll meets Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues. Yeah, it's back to that sort of mid-pace boogie style, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a come down after Bleeding With The Times for me. Um, yeah, no. It's okay. It's okay. I, I quite like pushing and shoving. I think there's no great predictability about it. I think it's got a you know, good little melody running through it. Yeah, that's followed by Bitch, uh, where again they get they get punky again, don't they? In the verse, yeah, don't they? Just um, yeah. and then a bit southern rock in the chorus. Yeah, I don't mind that punkiness. Again, very new wave, isn't it? It's almost like from a decade earlier. Um, all energy, like the chorus. It's, once they get going, it's a kind of slightly predictable direction they're going to go in. But I've got no problem with this. I've got no problem with bitch. Yeah, to be honest, I can take or leave bitch. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't feel the same way about it as you do, Steve. It's not a bad track. Does not move my feet. I mean, mercifully, it's only two and a half minutes anyway, so it's 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 kind of over and done with quite quickly. Which leaves room for the best two tracks. <laughs> well, does go it? on then. Let's talk yeah, go then. T- take us through Beyond Salvation then. Oh, I love Be- Who doesn't like a bit of super fast hand jiving? I love Beyond <laughs> Salvation. I think it's brilliant. It's a really hooky riff. Great chorus and repeat. <laughs> How simple is that? I've got no issues with that at all. Um, apart from the solo again, obviously, that's almost a given. But the nuts and bolts of Beyond Salvation are just great. It's a proper dance metal song. Just you just you just you just it's got a whole lot of rosy feel to it. Just you just yeah, that yes, it has, you want it. Tap. Really, so yeah, just... really drives along. Oh, another foot tapper, Steve. Very good. Yes, another foot tapper. Yeah, in a good way. In a good way. All right, and then yeah, and so we finished the album uh, with with Taken X, and oh. yeah, this is a departure in style, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting bits of cars, bits of NXS, almost uh, more 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 modern. Sounds like Steve, you really like it. I do. I think. I think it's. I love it. I think it's. Um, it's a bit thoughtful. It's a bit different. You're right. Cleverly written. Um, again, sounds like from a different era. I was thinking, when I first heard it, I was thinking of one of those kind of mournful new wave bands that used to appear on, um, what was that fucking awful show on Channel 4, The Tube? Like a band like Swan's Way, you'd stand there all earnestly and having a dart at doing some nwobum. Um, and I'd have liked more like this, you know? Like there's a, there are points in this song, there's a really brilliant sort of whammy bar screech into a riff that's to absolutely die for. Um, little pickups and bridges. And that's the kind of subtlety that, you know, you kind of, God, how poncy does this sound, that you'd like to have heard in some of the other tracks. I just think it's brilliant. I mm. think it's really, really clever. Yeah. There's an atmosphere, real atmosphere about it, isn't there? There is, yeah. To be honest, um, uh, Mr Simple in the corner doesn't understand why it's on the album. Yeah, it is It is a departure in style. Yeah. Um, yes. And, and quite a, quite bold to finish with it, as opposed mm. to have it sort of somewhere as a... An, an interlude on 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 the earlier sides. All right, well, so there we go. Let's take an X. Finishing Beyond Salvation by Angels, the third of Tony's choices for us. So we better do some highs and lows for this one. Mark, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Uh, so my low is Love Waits. I think it's um, I think it's an unfortunate inside one, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, but is immediately followed by the track of the album. So uh, bleeding. In the time with the times, yeah, I'm with you. Bleeding with the times would be my track of the album, and um, rhythm rude girl is um, is is my weak link. So yeah, for me, um, it's a trio for bleeding with the times as the track of the album. So we're all agreed on that. 
Uh, and I'm with Mark on the low, which would be love weights. So, well, yeah, thank you, Tony. It's been really, really good discovering this band, and we'd uh, we'd recommend people give them a listen. They've got a good selection on Spotify of their of their albums, and um, yeah, we will be featuring them again at some point in the future. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of this special. What we now have to do is. Uh, find out where these end up in the Hall of Fame by scoring them, which we will do right now. Reviews complete. Initializing rating process. Three albums, uh, starting off with Zodiac Mind Warp and The Love Reaction and their debut album, Tattooed Beat Messiah. Well, it fared about as well as I thought it would, to be perfectly honest. I think kind of reflecting the fact that uh, it's as it's really a kind of a, a fun novelty record and not a huge amount more than that. But you know, it's done all right. It's done all right. Um, Steve, you gave it six point four. Uh, if we're rounding up, I gave it seven point two. I liked it most of all. Richard, you gave it uh, a six point uh, five. Again, if we're rounding up, to give it an overall album score of six point six eight seven eight. Eight. Um, Steve, the fantastic Sonic Temple by the Cult. Uh, well, fantastic enough, and as much as it's the uh, it's the pick of the three albums scores wise um, on this episode, certainly, and um, and it scored very well. Um, yeah, I mean, you salivated, and, and your salivation is evidenced in your score of eight point three. Richard and I were a bit, a bit slightly more lukewarm, but still liked it. Richard gave it seven point three five. I gave it seven point four. Um, for an overall total score of 7.68333. Richard, Angels, Beyond Salvation. Well, we were pretty consistent in our scoring of, of Beyond Salvation. Uh, Steve gave uh, it a 6.91, uh, Mark a 6.94, and I was the lowest of us with the 6.63, and that gave the Angels an overall of a 6.8. Three, so uh, they just beat uh, Zodiac Mind Warp out of the three of these albums, but the cult is top. Let's see where the three are in our Hall of Fame. It's time to put the rock in a hard place. Opening the Hall of Fame. Okay, let's be honest. Um, two of them haven't done that well. Um, Tattooed Beat Messiah by Zodiac Mind Warp and the Angels um, Beyond Salvation. Are in the uh, are in the lower regions um, of of our league table of excellence. Um, they scored all right, high sixes, but um, you know there's some there's, there's some there's some good stuff um, as we know between the years 1970 and 1995, and there's an awful lot of them, a lot of those albums weighing those two down. Better um, by some distance was um, the Cults' Sonic Temple and. Um, I asked the question right at the start because, of course, this is the second cult album we've done, the first being Love. Um, and I thought, well, I asked the question kind of rhetorically, thinking the answer would be not a fucking hope in hell. The question being, it, will it do better than Love? Um, and I eat humble pie because it has, bizarrely. Um, so, yeah, the Sonic Temple got the score of, 7.68 love got a total score of 7.64 and i'm racking my brains now trying to wonder trying to figure out what brought love down but anyway um because we all loved it um but there you go that's, I, I that's... can answer that question go on well i gave i basically i gave 
I didn't check my scores. I didn't benchmark them against Love before we did the scores, but I gave uh, Sonic Temple a full one mark more than than Love. Well, which well. which kind of reflects how I feel about it, if I'm being completely honest. So I'm sort of you know yeah. Whereas well, you guys, the, you were much closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that is yeah, the yeah. idea, isn't it? I mean, we're all honesty and integrity, and that's um, that's yeah, fair enough. I mean, it doesn't stop you being a twat. But I mean that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got nothing to, to nothing to do with my taste in music. That's, yeah. that's just because I'm a twat. Yeah. No, that's good. But I, I listen. There's nothing between the two of them. If mm. um, let me go back to the league table. There's the, what is it? Seven point six eight. Sonic Temple seven point six four. Yeah, it's, it's it's matched. It's it's cigarette papers, isn't it? Um, yeah. In in the grand scheme of things, um, two albums we loved anyway. Yeah. Um, four four so tenths of a mark between it. Yeah, yeah. Personally, based on the very kind of basic listening that I've done uh, over the, the week just to get some context, um, I think, Tony, you gave us, uh, with The Angels, you gave us probably an album that you love, which is, is great, but I actually think there are better albums for us to listen to from them to come as well. So mm, okay. yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do because we will be revisiting them. They're definitely worth that. Okay, well, thank you very much, Tony, for your three suggestions. Uh, please, uh, if uh, you're out there listening to us, uh, we'd welcome another three of your choices uh, to go in the Hall of Fame. Please do check out the, the Hall of Fame, of course, first to see what we've already covered. And um, we'd be delighted to run another one of these shows reviewing your albums in our own very, very special way. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you again very soon for another regular episode. And uh, take care of yourselves. Bye. All music clips featured in the Enter Sad Men podcast appear within the context of criticism and or commentary, and as such are used under the fair use provisions of the exceptions to copyright rules of UK and international copyright law. To make sure the rock rolls forever on, Mark, Steve, and Rich urge all their listeners to show their love and support for the artists and writers featured on the show by purchasing the original music or subscribing to a licensed and regulated streaming service. 